turn on those headphones. It's time for Naughty Talk with Sunny Lee Maine. Welcome to Naughty Talk with Sunny Lee Maine, the podcast that explores all things kinky in a sexy and inclusive way. This show is intended for mature audiences aged 18 and up, and some listeners may find it disturbing. We believe in risk-aware consensual kink here on the show, so if you do try things mentioned on the show at home, know that neither the show nor the cast are responsible for any accidents, injuries, legal or property damages that may occur while getting your kink on. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 3 of Naughty Talk. I am Sunny Lee Main, she, her, and I am here with Panda Pet, she, they, it, and I'm pretty excited. How are you today, Panda? You know, it's been a really weird hecking week, uh, but I'm really excited to talk about vaginas. (laughs) I just want you to know that in like the five minutes between our phone call and recording, I managed to stuff like three tacos into my mouth at once. Wow, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you must be and lucky. that's about <laughs> that's about as much girl action as I've had recently. Um, <laughs> you were just making fun of me for that the other day, and I was saying, you know what? Then you need to come on the show, and since you have so much girl game, you need to talk about <laughs> lesbian sex on the show. Um, <laughs> so, so that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> it's like the dear Abby of lesbians, like. <laughs> I know. I'm just going to sit here and, like, take notes and learn from, like, a professional who has game um, in that department. <laughs> well, I can't be classified as a professional lesbian because there are lots of gatekeepers out there and I'm pansexual. Um, so they would never let me in the club. I'm not cool enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I am also pansexual, so I would also be banned from the club. <laughs> like, and not just because of my dating awkwardness. Um, I don't know what it is. I like, we go on like FetLife and my inbox has an, like a ridiculous parade of penises all the time. Ew. Um, sometimes with unsolicited pictures. (laughs) I guess I should clarify here that like, I'm homo flexible, really. Like, am I under the umbrella of pansexuality? If you're like using real general terms, yeah. Um, but really, I'm homo flexible in that, like, I'm 95% attracted to women. And like, that 5% of men are people who I have to like as humans before I'm attracted to their penis. Got it. So I'm a little weird, but I don't think it's weird. <laughs> I think for me I'm I'm mostly just attracted to sexy humans. And that does not mean that I will fuck anything that moves. <laughs> no, okay. you're actually quite picky. I am a little bit picky. Mostly about personality fit. I don't want to make it sound like I'm shallow. I just I really I don't know. I'm like half introvert, half extrovert. And so I like to be an exhibitionist and I like to go to events, but I'm really selective, whether it's with partners or friends about who I sort of let into my private space. Hmm. And by private space, (laughs) (laughs) we're talking about the kitty. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe we should just throw out like all the words we can think of, like for <laughs> vagina. <laughs> all the euphemisms. Yes. Like, um, well, I already said kitty, um, pussy, uh, cunt. I, can you use the C word? Cunt. Yeah. I like that one. <laughs> I, I actually quite enjoy that word. Um, it's like, it's like fuck. It's like a very succinct word. So when I was first learning to pole dance, we were doing like this body roll movement and mm. my pole mama said, you do not want to hump the pole. You want to go brain, boobs, beaver, butt. That's the order that you want to sort of undulate your body. And I was like, what is a beaver? And everybody looked at me and they were like, you don't know? And I'm like, no, what is a beaver? And then I realized like, you know, it's just running through the order of the body in my mind what they were talking about. That's one of the less pleasant ones I've heard. You little innocent flower. Hoo-ha, that's a good one. Yes, I love hoo-ha. Vajayjay. Ew, I hate that one. Um, I sometimes call it nature's mitten. Delicate flower. Oh, that's a cute one. That, like, belongs in, like, French vanilla erotica. I write a lot of erotica that has, like, French language in it sometimes, but it's never vanilla ever, ever. <laughs> well, no, I meant, like, French vanilla as in, like, it's almost kinky, but, like, not quite. You know how it's, like, between vanilla and kinky? Oh, okay. Like, Fifty Shades of Abuse. Um, like, that Got book. It. <laughs> Got it. If it's not, like, chocolate fudge with, like... I don't know, all the toppings. All the toppings. It's probably not for me. Yeah. Well, I just want a lot of rainbow sprinkles. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I can't get into my, like, little space because we're talking about vaginas. We have to be serious. Oh, I I was still with that, like, metaphor where the rainbow sprinkles are just more gay. <laughs> Can you tell me you've had long days, folks? We have had long days. We've had long days. These are not, this is not our day job, if anybody was wondering. <laughs> so, um, yes. Um, but we are here and we are excited about vaginas. <laughs> so, why don't we just start with that a little bit? Because I know we're going to talk a little bit specifically about lesbian sex today. But before we even go there, not all lesbians have vaginas, but many do. And I think that the vagina is something and the associated anatomy that just in general across the board could use a little demystifying. So tell us, Panda, about the vagina. Oh, wait, wait. Here's where we're going to break out our pictures. Yes, we are that insecure about <laughs> speaking correctly about the human anatomy that we both pulled up the same picture on plantparenthood.org. Well, we wanted to be looking at like the same picture, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, it totally wasn't coincidence. Yeah, we planned this. We're so smart. Uh, <laughs> it's actually kind of cute. Like, look at the little like butthole. Oh, it is cute. I, I love that tiny star butthole. But clearly, she's like never had anything in there. Like ever. <laughs> anyway, um, so let's talk about vaginas. Um, when most people think about vaginas, I think there's like a bit of a uh, mystery. Uh, so like, yes, in sexual experiences with vaginas, the clitoris or like called the clit is a very large part of that for some people, but not for everybody. And there are actually several parts to the clit. 
Uh, so there is the outer part that you do see, uh, which is like the tiny little guy itself, which is the clit. That's also got the clit hood. The button. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Over is the clit hood is like that little like flap of skin over top of that. Uh, some people like that pulled back uh, and like the clit um, stimulated directly. I actually do not. And like, it's so sensitive that I actively hate um, like, direct- yes, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it. <laughs> no, I, I know, I know it's weird, but I'm not the only one. Um, I do not like direct clit stimulation. I like it to be over the clit hood. Uh, because it's just like that little barrier of protection from like it being oversensitive. Um, but there's also, in addition to those guys, you've got the internal clitoris, which also has multiple parts. So if you want to stimulate the internal clitoris, this is super fun. If you actually like play around a little bit, if you just like, if you have a vagina or like you have someone else's vagina that you can use for this exercise, <laughs> if you uh, just kind of like dig in and poke around around like your mons, like around like the pubic area, like above the vagina itself, then like you can feel where you're stimulating the internal clit and not everybody likes that, but it can be really pleasurable if you find like exactly the right spot. Uh, So in addition to all those guys, of course, uh, we have the urethra, we have the vaginal opening, and we have the inner and outer set of lips, which can also be great erogenous zones. Um, And obviously the vaginal opening is for, you know, penetrative fun. And uh, this picture also like mentions the anus but we're really not going to go there today very much i don't think so sad <laughs> i'm not sad but we, maybe we weird. have to do like a whole episode sometime about like buttholes and butt like stuff. butt play you totally should and that is an activity for a not panda <laughs> all right so lots of parts and if we're just gonna have a few points about that in summary Oh my god, I was so long-winded, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. Um, I think it's important. So people with vaginas tend to have, okay, more than one hole down there. (laughs) I I think people don't know this. Like, people think you pee out of your vagina. It's a very common, especially, I think, for cis men, misconception. (laughs) Shut up. For real, they think you pee out of your vagina. And, um... Yes. So, you know, vaginal opening. Wow. You have a separate hole that you pee from and then your butthole. (laughs) Um, And then the amazing clitoris when we're talking about inside and outside. So if you actually look at the organ itself, it's actually almost like a Y shape. I definitely encourage people to look at a picture of that just to understand that it's not just that tiny little you know, button that you see above the surface. And there are actually something like 8,000 pleasure sensing nerves in it. So if your partner likes to have that stimulated, please do not ignore it. The clitoris is in fact important. Yeah. For many people, some people don't like it, but I personally do not like to have it ignored. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and I, I'm also extremely sensitive, but I do enjoy stimulation there. I'm just really kind of picky about how much pressure it gets. And I think that having a conversation about that with your partner, you know, how much intensity, how much pressure, what type of sensation do you like in that part of your body or in any part of your body is always a valuable conversation. Yeah. So now that we've had our, our little science lesson, <laughs> that was very scientific. We're Amanda. so scientific. Oh, my God. I feel like we need those heart-shaped glasses that we wear when we play with bubbles and they could be like <laughs> our lab glasses and like lab coats to talk about vaginas. Oh, my God. Um, but now that we have sort of demystified that a little bit, I, I don't think we of- did it all. I think we just made it more complicated, actually. But it's okay. Just go look it up. It's fine. Well, maybe that's the take home message. Look at a picture. Understand that there are multiple parts involved. It is a complex organ system. That's true. <laughs> Lots of different erogenous zones, and what people enjoy being stimulated varies from person to person. Yes, but. Definitely ask your partner and definitely don't ignore the parts they like to have touched. (laughs) Yeah, that's just dumb. So I was actually reading this article recently and it first looked at cisgendered heterosexual couples. And it basically said when you look at that arrangement of partners, the cis male is significantly more likely than the cis female to orgasm. But if you look at data between Two cis female partners, the chance of success for orgasm goes way up. And I I think that there is a little bit of more understanding maybe about having the same parts. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's something that everybody can learn. You don't have to have those parts to appreciate those parts. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure that if you also did the same study but it was two cis males that I'm sure it would produce like not like an increase in how often one orgasms, but perhaps like the intensity of orgasm would, or like the level of pleasure would increase because like if you have the bits and you've had them your whole life, then of course you're going to know how to pleasure them in some inherent way. Now I will also say (laughs) starting out as a baby gay is absolutely terrifying. And you feel like you have no idea what you're doing and that's okay. Because every single vagina is different. My friends, everyone likes to be simulated a little bit differently, likes different kinds of pressure, like circles or lines or we'll, we'll get into all that. I'm just, just wanted to say, don't feel bad if you think vaginas are terrifying, because I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, um, fun fact about me, I actually never played with myself until after I had had sex with a partner. Like, never once. <laughs> huh. And I don't know if it was just because around the time I decided that I was sexually interested, I just went and found a partner or or what, um, but that it was actually something that came later in the game for me. So I was basically starting with imagination only. Honestly, mostly me too. Wow. I never thought about that. This is profound. I'm oh learning so many things about today. <laughs> um. All right. So like we said, 
not all lesbians have vaginas and clitorises, but many do. I want to shift away from talking about anatomy a little bit and just kind of talk about lesbian sex. And this is the part where I really want to take some notes because I enjoy the company of other ladies, but for whatever reason, <laughs> I don't know. I, I've, I have had like great success in dating game with men, but with, not with other women. And um, so, um, yeah, so it has been a while since I have had, and I won't even say how long because it's been too long oh since God. I have had a female partner. Um, so I'm going to take some notes and it's not even about sex in particular because that part was just fine. In fact, it was really hot and excellent. <laughs> oh, I see. It's more like my, my girl, like flirting game. I think it's, I don't know. It's on that end of things. <laughs> Oh, I don't know if you can save me from that. but uh, No, um, no, I can't. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that I don't speak the language. <laughs> that's fair. But there's something that's mysterious that I'm missing when it comes to women in particular. So Panda is the girl whisperer. <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> so I'm taking notes. I'm ready to learn. So what the fuck even is lesbian sex? Let's start with that. <laughs> What an excellent question. And I think uh, the real answer is that the world may never know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But really, to me anyway, uh, lesbian sex and queer sex in general just really broadens the definition of what a lot of people think sex is. A lot of people think sex is putting like, you know, like inserting rod A into slot B. And there you go. That's sex. (laughs) (laughs) But it can be such a hacking broad range of hotness and intimacy uh, and like pleasure, desire. So really lesbian sex is any sexual act that's done between two women. So that could be hand stuff. That could be oral. That could be strap-ons. Yeah, really anything, honestly. All the naughties. All the things. <laughs> All the things. So maybe I should just start by saying what's the most ridiculous thing you've ever been asked about <gasps> girl sex or queer sex and how would you answer it? <laughs> oh my gosh. This might not be the most absurd sounding, but the most like general how the fuck do I answer this was, so what is it like to have sex with a woman? <laughs> and like... I just didn't I just didn't know what context they were asking in or like what their prior experience was. You're like, or like I if, liked it. Yeah, I was like if they're asking for a comparison. Uh so uh, like I just didn't really have an answer because I was like, I don't know what you're trying to ask. If you're trying to ask like what does it feel like? It's fucking great. And I think everyone should do it more. Um, <laughs> but like, I don't think that's what you were asking, friend. <laughs> the most ridiculous thing I think I've ever been asked probably actually wasn't that ridiculous. It was just, do lesbians actually scissor? <laughs> and what did you say? Um, I said, yes, but not in the way you might think. So, like, you know how, like, when people are, like, making a scissoring motion, they'll, like, make peace signs with both their hands and just, like, jam them together? <laughs> like <Yeah>. that? <laughs> yes, I have seen this. 
And, like, you see that in porn all the time, too. Although I think that's mostly in, like, porn that's generated for males. The finger thing? Uh, no, like, where, like, the women are scissoring like that. Where, oh. like, they're laying okay. on opposite ends of the bed and just, like, rubbing their vaginas together. And I suppose, like, you can do it that way. I've just never personally done it that way because it's not that comfortable. Um, it's like so, a foot in the face. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's yeah, you just have to be like the right it's like 69ing. You have to kind of be the same like height or like have the right like height differential or like your bodies just have to be able to fit together in the right way. So for me, I actually I'll say yes, I love that sexual act, but like it's not really scissoring in porn industry. It's sometimes called like tribbing. I just call it grinding, where just like you're just doing the same motion that you would in scissoring of like grinding your vaginas together on top of each other. Uh, but usually, for me and my sexual partners, it involves one of us, like, laying on the bed and the other person being on top in, like, kind of like a cowgirl position. Forming mental pictures. Yes, I, like, I'm <laughs> trying, trying to really give a picture. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, one person sitting on the other, straddling. Mm-hmm, basically. Okay. And, like, you kind of are supporting yourself so that, like, you're aligning in the correct fashion to, like, grind vaginas together. Um, so like that's really enjoyable and adding a vibrator between the two of you and then both of you like grinding on the vibrator together is my favorite form of sex in the entire world wow it's so great I, I don't think I've ever come harder than I do from that kind of sex that's big praise to be your favorite kind of sex ever <laughs> well it's just it's just true um like i wanted to do it for so long i had fantasies about it like i don't know why i knew that i would like it i just knew and then when my girlfriend and i started doing it i was like well i'm never going back this is the way we're having sex from now on but it also kind of like kills me like after we've done that for a bit then i'm kind of like tapped out and i'm just gonna be like a useless puddle so we usually save that for like the finale of sex got it so you touched on something that i was actually going to bring up and you touched on sort of girl porn a little bit Mm -hmm. um or lesbian porn. And do you feel like there's any accurate representation at all in porn of what really goes on in bedrooms? There is some, yeah. Um, I don't... Like, in almost all porn, there is some accurate representation somewhere of what goes on in lesbian sex. Uh, Because usually it does involve a fair amount of oral, if that's something you both enjoy. It usually involves a fair amount of fingering, at least as like a warm up or like a beginning activity. It's just that so often in porn, I find that it's more about being performative than actually performing something pleasurable on the other person. Um, right. It's but about like, what looks that's good. Yeah, but like, that's what porn is there for. It's there to look good. So that kind of makes sense. There are definitely some female-owned companies out there or um like specific lesbian porn companies that are like making lesbian porn for lesbians and it just like looks a little different my preferred form of lesbian porn though is actually like just the kinkier side of things um like kink.com type stuff where it's like 
you know, a lot of like power exchange, there's forced orgasm involved normally, but I kink on power. So that's not that surprising for me that like seeing that in porn more accurately reflects what sex would look like for me. Got it. So fun fact about me, (laughs) my brain is very depraved um, in case anybody didn't know this already, but I was never really like a big porn watcher in general in terms of, you know, like videos. And most of my fantasies were sort of generated in my own mind. And so when I was young and sort of exploring my sexuality for the first time, I definitely had just, you know, images in my own head, ideas about what sex would be like, and gender was really never that important. Mm. And I had almost like a little bit of a, a sexual identity crisis because for a while I had really mostly dated men and Mm. I'm like, can I really say, you know, like, am I bi? Am I pan? Can I really say that if I haven't had a lot of female partners is like once enough? Oh my God. I had that too. Yes. And I was like, you know, it was, it was hard for me. I struggled with it because I almost felt like I had imposter syndrome about being queer. Like I wasn't queer enough because of my choice of partners, which had mostly just been a result of who I came in contact with that I formed a relationship with, but not necessarily who I had been sexually attracted to because they definitely had a lot of crushes that didn't turn into anything, that sort of thing. Same. And, you know, so I had like this little identity crisis going on about it. And then I had to like kind of go through it in my brain and like check the boxes. I'm like, well, if I do look at porn or erotic images or when I write erotica, like it's really 50-50 and there are lots of non-binary folks that I find really attractive. Mm -hmm. And I almost had this little, like, I don't know, like this weird little self-doubt thing. Like I felt like somebody was going to like call me out on it. Like if I said I was pansexual or bisexual, that somebody was going to call me out on it and be like, well, you've mostly only dated men, so you don't count in some way. (laughs) Like I was somehow invalid. And yet I knew that I wasn't just straight, like for sure, like hands down. And, you know, my first encounter with another woman was one of the hottest ones I've ever had in my entire life. So I really knew like for sure (laughs) that this is also for me, even though it hasn't come up in my life as much. And um, that was a little bit of an awakening for myself. And as it turns out, I find that most people in my community don't really care. Like nobody's ever asked me what my body count was for each gender and then like, you know, pulled out a scale and said, right. like, you're not gay enough. Um, Honestly, I think there's so much to dig into here and I could go on about this for hours. So we're not going to go that much further into it now, but I did just want to mention like, please do not feel alone if you are like, a queer identifying bisexual, pansexual, what have you, female who has gone through this imposter syndrome, uh, because literally almost everyone I know has gone through it. Uh, so you are in very good company. Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> we all need a little pep talk sometimes. And yeah, I definitely think you're right. There's so much to impact that could be a whole episode of its own. But because <laughs> we're talking a little bit more about the the nitty gritty 
ins and outs or lack thereof. (laughs) So kind of circling back. So circling back, we've talked a little bit about how sometimes having the same parts as a partner can give you a little bit of a competitive edge in terms of orgasm success because you're dealing with parts you're familiar with. But I think that, um, and we've talked a little bit about scissoring, I think Mm -hmm. that toys really play into sex in an important way. And so it's not always about, like you said, putting X body part into X body part. And I'm wondering if you have thoughts specifically about how using a toy, maybe even a penetrative toy, it doesn't have to be phallic, but using a penetrative toy can be different than having sex with a person where you're having body-to-body contact. So where you're using more toy inside of body or on body than body-to-body. Yeah, um, they're honestly just such different experiences. Uh, I'm just going to stick to talking about penetrative toys for a minute uh, because there's such a wide range of sure. like vibratory, like external stimulation toys as well uh, that I think is like generally agreed upon that you like are usually successful and that everyone just kind of has their favorite that works for them. Um, but like as someone who regularly has sex with um, people who are male and female um, in anatomy, Having sex with a biological penis has that, like, nice, like, you know, the skin-to-skin contact. They, the penises are usually, honestly, like, if you're comparing, contrasting, like, bio-penises to, like, toys. Honestly, bio-penises are usually, like, a little bit softer or, like, a little less consistent in terms of hardness, which is totally fine because you're not just in it for the experience with the penis you're in it for the experience with that person and that connection with that person i will say and i'm probably biased here because i am (laughs) homo flexible that i rather enjoy toys because you can curate your experience so if you're having sex with a partner who has a biological penis the penis is the penis you know like it's going to be the length it is the girth it is there's going to be that like area where like you have to know how to stimulate that partner to get the result that you want. Uh, It's more of like a journey together. Whereas with a toy, it's there. It's hard. It's steadfast. It's ready to go. (laughs) And you can find a toy that's like the perfect length, girth, curve. You can find that perfect toy for you. For me, I've had the same dildo for seven years. It was very expensive, but it was so, so, so worth it because it is my perfect toy. Uh, It's beautiful. It looks nothing like a penis, which is exactly what I wanted. It's black. It has a rainbow base, so it's super aesthetic. Uh, It is strap-on harness compatible, which is something I love. And it's just got that perfect fit for me. And besides like comparing bio penis with like toy penis, the human connection piece is pretty much the same. No matter what toy or like body part you're using, that's what you're really in it for. You're there for pleasure. You're there to enjoy this act with this other person and connect in that really intimate, beautiful way. 
Um, I will say that sometimes with toys, I miss like the skin to skin contact a little bit. Uh, but that can be pretty easily remedied if you're using a toy, like a penetrative toy, by just placing a hand on their thigh or grabbing them or like, you know, on their stomach, on their breasts, if you can reach that far. That clitoris thing we were talking about. Exactly. That like love. <laughs> that clit, like put using a vibratory toy on that clit at the same time you're using a penetrative toy. Oh, heaven. Um, but yes, there are so many different things that you can do to help with that skin to skin contact as well, just to keep you connected. And honestly, I think that that's the kind of thing that people build up in their mind, but really lots of couples, regardless of gender or sexual orientation, use toys, even penetrative toys, even people who have a penis often will use a penis shape or phallic toy in play, whether it's like between rounds or, you know, whether you're just for whatever reason, not wanting to use the real body part. So, you know, there are lots of reasons why toys are used and it doesn't so much matter about gender. Yeah. Um, I have... So I have a pink sparkly cock <laughs> that straps on and also vibrates. Ooh. And I love it because it has more than one vibrator in it. So it has one that presses against my clit if I'm wearing it. And then also the rest of it vibrates for the person on the receiving end. And I really freaking love that toy. <laughs> and I um, Can we I just talk about that for a minute? Yeah. How do you, how do you wear the strap on in a way that fits to stimulate your clitoris? Okay. So, I mean, it really depends on the toy, but this particular toy, it's not perfectly straight like a regular like bio penis. So, it has a piece that's sort of curved and it is soft and flexible, so when you grind against it, you can sort of like shift your your hips to make contact with it. However, I just got an upgrade. <laughs> um, and I haven't tried it out on anyone yet. <laughs> but I just got an upgrade and I, it, it's a really cool toy and I haven't had a chance to play with it yet. But I will. I have faith. <laughs> and, um, it is a strapless strap-on and it is rechargeable, which is one of my favorite things about toys. It's better for the earth than using lots of batteries and it's waterproof and it is really a toy that's made and it's really a toy that's made for two people with vaginas to play with and to enjoy because of the way it's shaped and just for um, certain types of stimulation. But what's special about it is because bodies are so different, the part that goes inside of the wearer, so strapless strap-on usually has a piece that goes inside the vagina of the wearer, and it's held in place by sort of clamping down your muscles, which can feel really hot and um, is pleasurable on its own. Mm -hmm. So it has that piece, but there is a function in it. And yes, this was kind of a pricey toy, um, but I think it will be worth it where you can actually fill that part of the toy with air. So it's adjustable to fit your body to make it easier to grip onto depending on like what kind of vagina you've got. And then it has a piece that curves to stimulate the clitoris of the wearer. And then 
the shaft also vibrates. And, wow. Um, yeah, and it, it's completely wireless. It has a button on the shaft, but um, there are no, like, wires hanging off of it. I believe it would be strap-on compatible, but it's really made to not need any kind of strapping. And so it was just, like, the coolest thing I've seen in a while in terms of a toy, and it was really a toy that I suspect was made by people who have vaginas for people with vaginas. Oh, yeah. And as the (laughs) recipient of such a toy in my life, I will say it is exceedingly hot to uh, watch a woman walking into the room, not wearing a strap on, but having a cock between their legs. Oh, yes. (laughs) (sighs) Yep, 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 yep. And also like really kind of hot to have a vagina, but also like to have a moment where you get to have a cock for a little bit. Like that's kind of fun. And I I don't identify as non-binary, but I feel like gender is just a very fluid thing. And I personally have really enjoyed the experience of getting to play with a cock. I am pretty gender fluid and oh my God, like queering gender for the win. I love it. So like just having both of them, I love it so much. Um, I haven't done the strapless toy before, but I have done like a fair amount of like wearing the strap and I really enjoy it. Um, I asked that originally because I have a very hard time while wearing the strap, like actually like deriving sexual pleasure from it while I'm doing the act. Um, And that really like when I'm doing it, it's more about like control and holding power and giving my partner pleasure. Um, and that like any like sexual gratification on the receiving end for me will come like after the strap on part. I'm just kind of greedy, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I just, I, I like to have, and I, it's not that I am never a giver. <laughs> I don't want to make it sound that way, but I like the idea of having toys that are pleasurable for both people at the same time. And so I definitely think that toys have evolved from like just a basic like fake rubber penis to something that's not necessarily shaped like a penis at all because it is designed to fit the body of a person with a vagina. And I I think it's just this movement towards like people with vaginas deserve pleasure too. Yeah. And that there are lots of different parts of the anatomy, like we were talking about, that can give a person with a vagina pleasure. So, you know, toys really should accommodate and target all of those different parts, not just one. And I think that, you know, like for me personally, I am definitely like a multiple regions of stimulation person. And um, it's much harder for me to have an orgasm either from penetration alone or even clitoral stimulation alone, I really like to have both. And so it's really cool that there are toys on the market now where even as the the sort of giver, <laughs> as the, the thrusting engine, you can have a toy <laughs> that also gives you pleasure at the same time. Mm. Oh, oh, um, back to demystifying for a minute. What, something you said made me think of it. Another thing I wanted to mystify Not all vaginas are the same, including internally. That means if somebody happens to have a less tight vagina, that doesn't automatically mean that they are a slut or that they've done something crazy 
or that something's wrong with them, or that they are any less valuable as sexual beings. And, like, everybody has a different, like, depth to their vagina. Like, some are more shallow than others. Like, it's not all about the length of the penis. It's not all about the size of the penis here. It's also, like, a compatibility thing of, like, the internal size of the vagina and the size of the penis and how those go together in sex. Like, ah, it drives me nuts <laughs> that there's so much societal judgment about this, that like so much value is placed on like virginity and tightness and like that people do all these different things to like get tighter or like, you know, like it's just, it's not necessary. Like if you really want to learn how, like how to be tighter, that's really that important to you. Like learn how to do like Kegels or like control your vaginal muscles in a more purposeful way. Yes. And like, that's a natural, easier way that you can do it. Like that's something I'm learning because my daddy likes it when I control my vaginal muscles and like do those kind of contractions while he's inside me like while we're not actively like doing the in and out process so like that's something that can be learned pretty easily and i actually think that there are like pros and cons <laughs> it's like i feel like vaginas are like a grass is greener kind of situation like nobody is entire oh I shouldn't say that some people are really body positive and love their vagina but I feel like there can be a lot of headspace about like other vaginas are better than mine mm -hmm. um for whatever reason and like I happen to have like a very small kitty <laughs> and some people think that that's wildly desirable but I have had some larger partners who have actually like legitimately complained that it was uh, too tight a fit and I have had partners who are larger partners where sometimes that's painful, despite the amount of arousal, because I have a small body. So, you know, and sometimes I actually kind of like that a little bit, you know, because no, there's too. like like the masochistic piece, that like little bit of like just being a little too full that can be really hot. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that's also something that can easily be achieved in lesbian sex. Like fisting is a thing or just like having longer fingers and like going deeper is a thing or using more uh, fingers right exactly and it's more controllable with fingers than with a phallic object and actually fun fact about fingers <laughs> you know or toys if you are somebody like me whose vagina likes to have like vice-like grip <laughs> during orgasm sometimes um my muscles actually clamp down so hard that if i am having sex with a partner with a penis it can actually push the penis out of my body because that's how strong yes. the grip is all and, the time yeah and like a toy that isn't going to be crushed like <laughs> no one's ever gonna want to have sex with me again um, <laughs> <laughs> you're like the I'm new like, version of teeth but it's just <laughs> but no but seriously if you're a person who has really strong muscles or really good control of them or where they just involuntarily contract in a really hard way sometimes it can be really nice to have fingers or a toy that you can't push out 
I mean, you can, but not if you like hold it in. Uh, I was—I will say on like the con side of that that I have bruised a partner's fingers before. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe just be a little careful about how many fingers you're using when when there's a lot of orgasming involved. Yes, I have caused finger numbness. Yes, <laughs> that's a yes. thing. Finger numbness and. Um, I've also like had really amazing orgasms and I've had some orgasms that would have been really amazing if like the muscle clenching was not so strong that it pushed whatever was in out. And that yeah. is a thing that can happen <laughs> to vaginas because vaginas are complex and fickle creatures. <laughs> oh, so fickle. Oh my gosh. So you could just make up the damn mind sometimes. Um, oh, there's also, um, just like I kind of wanted to broach that we're on the topic of lesbian sex and that with uh, sex with two females, you also have to worry about periods a little bit more than you normally would. Uh, I'm not presently experiencing this because I have an IUD, which is lovely and works for me, but does not work for everyone. Uh, or like not all IUDs make them stop bleeding. And I will say that even if you're both bleeding, you can have some amazing lesbian sex uh even if you're both on your period because it really doesn't require penetrative activity in any way unless you're a person who can like only get off on penetration and like even then i feel like there's a little bit less shame around periods uh when you're with another woman because like they've also experienced this annoying thing again that's dependent on your comfort level <laughs> my girlfriend mel still does not like to do things when she's on her period just because she feels like pretty unsexy um but i am a person who really doesn't care and i'll just like throw a tampon in and be like all right we're gonna go just don't put things inside me or else we'll lose the tampon i'm a total heathen i don't <laughs> care <laughs> and I put down a towel and... Oh, yeah, I've done um, that too. <laughs> but, I mean, honestly, I get really terrible period cramps. And fun fact, folks, orgasms can aid menstrual they cramps. Do. So if you have terrible cramps, you know, it might really just be the best time. And also, I, like, with my hormonal swings, like... Okay, so like I pretty much want sex all the time. <laughs> Let's just be honest. However, there are certain parts of my cycle where I feel like I want it like even more if that's possible. <laughs> imagine that. And like during my period is almost equal to like during the ovulation part of the cycle. So, and of course, those tend to be back to back. So there's like, you know, a good like week and a half period in there <laughs> where like I just want to tie my partners down and. <laughs> use them well that's hot um, <laughs> and you know they they tend to luckily for me um want to oblige <laughs> but <laughs> but also like you can totally like if you are somebody who doesn't want blood in your mouth you can totally put a yes. tampon in or like a flex disc or something and you don't have to do any penetration but you can still do like it's great sex. it's fine that could be a thing <laughs> just put a towel down just in case throw in a tampon you're good to go um by the way this is the point in the program in which you may say but panda a lot of what you guys have been talking about isn't specific to lesbian sex and could be done by heteronormative couples as well and you are correct 
queer sex in a lot of ways is really just expanding the definition of what sex is. And that could literally be whatever you want to define it as. So like, if you want to consider like hand jobs and fingering to be sex, which I think it is in a way, that's why I call it hand sex. Then like, yeah, go for it. Do the thing. Um, I don't think we need to put these like value judgments on sexual acts um, or like consider it like a sexual escalator. Oh my God. It was like telepathy. I think we had the exact same thought at like the exact same (laughs) moment. Like for real, like I was literally just about to say everything you just said, you know, I'm a a pansexual person and for me, gender is not that important. And it's so funny because even when, as I mentioned, even when I have those moments of like queer imposter syndrome, I just sort of remind myself that like sex is really just sex. It really doesn't matter that much, you know, what parts you have or what parts your partner has. And at least not to me, but I mean, when you're defining sex, I don't really think it it matters either. And you touched on this, but I think that this idea of like, what constitutes like being a virgin, or what constitutes whether or not you've had sex or not, I think that there are lots of value systems that sort of preach abstinence and waiting to have sex. And like historically, that comes a little bit out of wanting to know that your progeny are your Mm -hmm. progeny. (laughs) So um, I, I think that that is so just unimportant yes. and unnecessary and like – And antiquated. Yeah. And if you don't put this value on virginity, which I personally don't think people should, I feel like sex is a normal, healthy thing. <laughs> like for – as you like to say, for the people in the back, all sex is normal and healthy as long as consenting adults are yes. involved. You know, as long as that's your approach, then I think you can start to just broaden your definition of what is sex because it's not so important to you to say, oh, well, we only used our hands and mouths, so it didn't count. Or like, I only took it in the butt, but not the vagina. So therefore, it wasn't <laughs> sex. Like, I think that that's, that's a real thing. No, I, I thing know it's a real like- thing, but like, it just <laughs> baffles me every time. I know. I know. I had this really, I had this nuts. I don't know, maybe she was a creative genius, but (laughs) nuts health teacher when I was in high school. And she literally put pieces of paper taped to the wall. Like, I I kid you not, with different types of sex acts, things like oral sex, fingering, you know, vaginal sex, anal sex. And she taped them on the wall. And then she asked all of the students in the class to stand under the sign where they felt like things, I don't know if she asked like what was appropriate or like what you had done or were interested in doing. I don't know what was the rationale, but we were a bunch of teenagers. And (laughs) so she had the whole class do this. And it was really funny because in her ordering, she put anal sex before vaginal penetrative sex. And and I the only thing I can think of is that like in her personal mind that must have been related to that idea that like if it's not vaginal sex it's not oh my sex God. I don't know or it came from somewhere maybe it came out of her teaching book that said this is how you should order the papers it was really unorthodox but like collectively the class was like 
for all the people who were like standing at a place that was like past anal sex, but a lot of people considered anal sex to be like deviant in some way. So they were like, I think you should move the papers. <laughs> and then there was like this arranging, rearranging of the papers and the way that the class thought, you know, and, and the whole thing was just ridiculous because when you think about it, all of it, except for the abstinence one, all of yes. it is sex. Ah, uh, man, you're speaking my language. Yeah. Yay. This good was talk. a good talk. I'm really glad we got to have it on the show. And I wish we could have like done this without getting electrocuted. Maybe we'll find a way to do it safely. We had talked about like doing like a bubble bath talk where we both like make our bubble bath and then we have this conversation yes. while we're soaking in the bubbles. And this would have been such a good talk for that. But I feel like I'm really glad that we had it on the air instead because <laughs> it's so good. Um, now we can share it with the world. And really, I think that it's not just queer. I think that in terms of kink and lifestyle, people of all orientations have a little bit of a, a broader, I found, understanding of what constitutes sex and, you know, just a little bit more open-mindedness about sex in general. And I, I just want to say, if any of this sounds awesome to you, but you are not a lesbian... This does not have to be exclusive to queer people. You can have a heterosexual relationship where you are doing giving and taking back and forth repeatedly with your partner. If you do not have a body that can, and I actually think that most bodies can eventually have multiple orgasms, but if you don't have a body that orgasms easily or orgasms multiple times, there are ways to experience that. It's one of the reasons that I love hypnosis and I have as a, a top induced hypnotically multiple orgasms in a person with a penis. And, you know, maybe they don't ejaculate every time, but they still have the feeling of having an orgasm multiple times. And so I, I just basically wish like everybody would have queer sex as you're describing it <laughs> or, or kinky sex. Like I, I wish that sex was just more colorful all the time. Yes. And like orgasm being separate from ejaculation is not specific to only male bodied individuals. Are times when I've had like the internal experience of the orgasm and like not had the external product of the orgasm. Those two things can be separate. They aren't often for me, but they certainly can be, uh, which is why some people are perfectly happy to not have an external orgasm. And I also just wanted to mention here that orgasm is not the end all be all of sex that it does not have to be involved at all. If that's not something that you desire. Uh, my partner Yoshi actually prefers not to orgasm and uh, unless it's like him doing it by himself. Um, he'll let me sometimes, but it's pretty rare. He honestly like prefers like more that tease and denial and like the edging kind of experience. Um, but it can be as equally pleasurable and even possibly more intense if you're not involving orgasm. Uh, so that's just something I wanted to put in there as well. That by n We talked about orgasming a lot in this segment, and I just wanted to make sure I said at some point that orgasming is far from like the necessary end result or even the desired end result, depending on the people and the bodies. 
And ejaculation is not only a thing that penises do. Fun fact about vaginas. I've said that a lot today. Um, but I mean, people with vaginas can do squirts. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So I am so excited that we talked about this and I feel like there were so many things that we touched on that I really wish that we could dig into more, but we can't in one episode. And so I'm definitely having some ideas sort of percolating in my brain about things that we can dig into more in the future. And um, thanks for having this talk with me. And I'm looking forward to our next chat. I think that the next time we talk, we're going to be talking a little bit about tickling. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that'll be fun. But also Yay. all the queer things. Thank you for bringing this up. I'm super happy to talk about all the queer things and we will do more in the future for sure. All right. Next up, as promised, a little bit of erotica coming your way. Written by yours truly. All characters in the story are consenting adults. This is a work of fiction straight from my imagination and any resemblance to actual persons living or dead or actual events is purely coincidental. Call Me Sir by Sunny Lee Main. The doorbell rings. I look at the time on my phone. She's one minute early. Points for promptness. Perhaps she's been paying attention after all. I open the door and gesture for her to enter. Fear flashes across her lovely face briefly before being replaced by resolve. She remains silent as instructed and crosses the threshold. Good girl, I think to myself, not yet ready to praise her aloud. There is still the inspection to attend to. She waits on the edge of the carpet in my living room while I close the door behind her. I've made my expectations clear in advance and now it's time to see if she has been obedient. I twirl my finger in the air, indicating that she should rotate for inspection. As she spins slowly, my eyes roam over her slender form, and my mind replays the highlights of the past few weeks like my own personal erotic movie. Dear Mistress, the first message had read, I would like to inquire as to whether you are currently seeking a new submissive. If so, I would like to put forth myself for consideration. It had been polite and to the point, and the truth is, I hadn't really been seriously looking. I'd toyed with the idea from time to time, but understanding fully the responsibility of such an undertaking, and in consideration for the fullness of my plate, it had not been something I'd pursued. Still, the message had been intriguing. I'd decided a conversation could be had. Tell me what submission means to you, I'd replied. The response had been heartfelt and well-composed. The conversation had continued. I'd prefer that you refer to me as sir if we move forward, I'd written. I'd considered what it meant to have a submissive in service, to own another person. I'd fantasized from time to time about finding a true service sub, one who truly derived pleasure from doing day-to-day tasks that made my life easier or more enjoyable in some way. I'd imagined finding one who worked hard to earn rewards and accepted graciously punishments when I deemed they were deserved, but one who generally considered my satisfaction to be reward enough. Of course, a preference for punishment as reward could always be accommodated. I reflected on the gift of submission from a person whose pleasure I controlled completely. Mine to play with. 
mine to share if I chose. I'd been fairly certain I'd not want to share often, but given my lifestyle, it would be nice to have the option. The fantasy part is always the easy part. I'd also spent time considering what it meant to take responsibility for the emotional and physical safety of another human being during power exchange. The importance of self-esteem building, trust, and fostering of personal growth. I'd taken her on a very vanilla date to see if we'd had as much chemistry in person as on the phone. It had been there. We'd talked about my sadistic streak, my fascination with dollification and mind control, my primal tendencies, and my love of sensual BDSM. We'd discussed her curiosity about pain and her firmly rooted need to give control away. My daddy had encouraged me. I think this is something you may need to explore, he'd prodded gently. When she'd talked about her preference for order down to matching the socks and her understanding of the need for my morning coffee to be perfect, I'd offered her a contract. A three-month training period with an option to extend if things were going well had felt appropriate. She'd accepted my terms, and now, now she is here. She completes her first rotation, remaining silent as I prefer. I catch the hem of her short dress in my hand, lifting it briefly to expose what lies underneath. I find only bare skin, as I have instructed. Finding everything in place, she receives her first good girl of the evening. I enjoy her radiant smile in response. I can't wait to see her face when she comes. I can't wait to see her tears. I've reviewed her limits list extensively, but before we begin, I ask her for her safe words one more time. She hasn't forgotten. She is ready to begin. I lead her from the living room across the kitchen, beyond which lies a set of closed French doors. Lifting a black silk blindfold from the counter, I take her sight. Once we enter that room, I will only stop if I hear your safe words. Are you ready? I ask. She nods. Address me properly, I remind her. Yes, sir, she says aloud this time. I open the doors and lead her forward. I guide her until her toes touch the edge of a large pillow on the floor. If she's paid attention, she'll know what to do next without direction. I smile when she lifts the dress up over her head and falls to her knees. I walk around her slowly. That's two good girls earned so far tonight. Thank you, mistress, she says aloud. I wince. I really hate that. I pause and say nothing, allowing her to catch her own mistake. Thank you, sir, she corrects herself. I sigh and tell her to assume a position on all fours. She complies. Just three this time, I tell her. She is learning, after all. I want you to count, and when we're done, to thank me properly this time. My crop lands three times, and I enjoy her tiny cries as she counts out loud. I feel slick begin to pool between my thighs at the sight of the pink blooming on her round yet toned bum. Thank you, sir, she says correctly this time. I look forward to marking her soft skin with a cane. Stand now, I command. I kiss her lips softly. I'm so glad we've put this little incident behind us, I soothe. She nods, lip quivering and dissolving my patience in desire. 
Of course, I'll stick to the plan. I have mastered control. I help her ease onto the excellent little bench I've ordered recently. Each knee and forearm rest on an individual pad, allowing me to bind her limbs in an all-fours position, elevated off the ground. I bind also her waist, securing her to the longest pad that runs from ribs to pelvis. Her beautiful face, still blindfolded, comes to rest in a round pillow originally designed for massage tables. I run my hand along her nude form, enjoying the way the tiny hairs on her body stand on end. I take my time, allowing some anticipation to build as I examine the toys laid out in advance. I press play on the sound system, allowing the volume of music to drown out the sound of my steps, stealing her awareness of my location in space. I whisper in her ear, You're not allowed to come until I say so. I take this opportunity to fully appreciate her drenched pussy on display, smooth and free of any hair as I prefer. I look forward to her making another mistake so that I can spank it. Gently, I run my fingers over her flesh and slip them into her mouth to taste her. I repeat this motion, this time pressing my fingers between her lips so that she can taste herself. I press one finger, then two, slowly inside of her tight core, enjoying the feeling of her muscles gripping on my fingers. I slip into a rhythm, wrapping my other arm around her waist and allowing my fingers to dance against her clit while the first set fuck her in time to the music. I smile brightly when her body convulses involuntarily in its bonds. Did you just come without permission? I demand. I know the answer already, but I appreciate her honesty as she nods. I sigh, loudly for her benefit. Address me properly, I demand. I'm sorry, sir, she whimpers and then cries out for me as my hand slaps against her bare pussy. Count. I instruct. It will be three for the orgasm and one for the failure to address me properly. I enjoy the quiver in her voice as she counts the first spank. The next two land on her ass, one on each cheek. I remind myself she is still learning after all. I pause, knowing she is tense and wondering where the last will land. I strike between her legs again and something magical happens. I see her body coil on the edge of coming a second time, but she fights for control and wins. Good girl, I praise. Put your mouth to good use, and if you please me, I'll allow you to come again tonight. Yes, sir, she agrees more confidently this time. I can see she's getting the hang of it. This is for the best, because as much as I love punishment, I don't tolerate slow learners well. I appreciate her intelligence. I unzip my pants and allow them to fall to my ankles, bringing my own most sensitive flesh close to her face. I straddle the donut pillow and lift her chin with my fingers. Her lips and tongue begin to move. It's clear she's eager to please, eager to prove herself. I hold her face firmly in place, allowing my hips to grind gently against her mouth, edging myself nearly to madness before I allow myself my first release. Good girl. I praise. Rounding behind her again with a silver plug and lubricant in hand, all of these holes are mine, I remind her. Slipping on nitrile gloves and pressing a finger against her tighter opening, she squirms in her bonds and I enjoy watching the struggle. I pause. She is learning after all. 
I will only stop for your safe words, I remind her. I watch her set her jaw and resolve. No words escape her lips. I nod. Though she can't see me. She's making a strong effort. I press my finger firmly inside of her ass, waiting for her to relax before sliding it in and out several times. When I withdraw it completely, it is to allow the smallest plug in the set to take its place. She whimpers softly as I push the plug inside and I feel it slide into place with a satisfying pop. Good girl, I encourage her, massaging her ass cheeks as she accommodates the plug. Removing the glove, I press my fingers back inside of her core. Her wetness betrays her. She's enjoying this small pain. I smile. I'm enjoying it too. I reach for my newest toy, excited to finally give it a test run. I slide one end of the dildo inside of myself. The shorter curved end has a vibrating contour that presses directly against my clit. I press the other end inside of her, enjoying the gasp she makes at feeling so full. I release one hand from its bonds. Play with yourself, I command. But wait until I give you permission, or the punishment will be more severe for a second defense. I slide my shirt up over my head. My hands are free to grasp her shoulders as I press my breasts against her back and slam my hips forward. Each time I penetrate her with the toy, it thrusts back inside of me, increasing my own pleasure. I turn on the vibration and feel her tense beneath me. She digs the fingernails of the bound hand into the pad of the bench, but her free hand continues to stroke her clit. I begin to fuck her harder now, fucking myself at the same time. I grind my hips, forcing the toy deeper. I feel my own core clamp down on the toy, hovering on the edge of release. I feel her body tense beneath me again, fighting the urge to let go. A single tear escapes the blindfold, sending me completely over the edge. Come now, I demand, as we detonate together. Withdrawing my new cock a kiss between her shoulder blades, I carefully massage her remaining wrist and ankles as I release each one. I leave the blindfold in place, however, until we re-enter the kitchen and I close the French doors behind me. I'll leave the mystery of that room intact. Restoring her vision, I tangle a fist in her hair and kiss her firmly. You did well this first time, I whisper, enjoying the shy pride that crosses her face. I lead her to the bathroom and start the shower. We'll sleep in the guest room tonight, I advise her. My other partner is surely already asleep in the bedroom we share. I smile. I adore his submission in our day-to-day life, but he doesn't share my desire for kink in the bedroom. My daddy isn't here this weekend, but I'm sure he'll want to hear all about our escapades tomorrow. I slide into bed beside her, snuggled under the fluffy blankets. My fingers trace her body more gently now, in deference to the soreness I'm sure she feels. I know I'll need to have her again before I sleep. Mine, I think to myself, as my fingers begin to play and I swallow her soft cries and kisses. Tonight I'm taking ownership of her body. I smile in the darkness. I can't wait to introduce her to hypnosis and take control of her mind. I hope you all enjoyed the story. Again, it is a Sunny Lee Main original, and you can find my full-length novels on my website, sunnyleemain.com, if you enjoyed that. All right, I am here with Hypno Story again. Thanks for coming back. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? 
I'm excellent. Thank you. Really excited to dig a little bit deeper into one of my very favorite topics, which is hypno kink. And since this is the first time we're really digging in deeply, I thought it would be cool to kind of talk about how hypno kink and BDSM really overlap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hypnosis, a friend of mine likes to say that hypnosis is the hot sauce of kink because it goes with everything. So whatever you like, there's probably a good way to do something with hypnosis with it. Excellent. I definitely agree. And I know we've been talking a lot about kink roles and dynamics on the show so far. And I think it's important to kind of talk about what those are within the hypno community specifically, because I think there are some different terms that get thrown around. Mm -hmm. So the, the terms that you'll commonly hear, the person doing the hypnosis, um, I often will refer to as a top like in any other kind of kink. Um, but those, the, those folks are often referred to as the hypnotist. Um, and traditionally in hypnosis, the person being hypnotized is referred to as the subject. And there are a lot of people who do still use that language. And there are a lot of people who are uh, moving away from it because it implies that the person being hypnotized has something being done to them rather than being an active participant. And so uh, Mark Wiseman, who wrote the book uh, Mind Play and the Mind Play Study Guide, which are the sort of first hypnokink books I tend to recommend to people, uh, prefers the term hypnotee. So hypnotist for the top, hypnotee for the bottom. Um, and I often will just use the terms top and bottom. Um, but you'll hear sort of all of that. And sometimes hypnotist is shortened to tist and occasionally Hypno T is shortened to T. And I think it's important also to mention that being the hypnotist or the hypno T does not always imply which side of the slash you are on because you can totally be a hypnotist and do sort of service bottoming as the hypnotist, you know, or the other way around. Right. Absolutely. That it's like pretty much any kinky activity that the power dynamic, there doesn't have to be a power dynamic at all, or you can structure the power dynamic however you want in relationship to dominant and submissive separately from top and bottom. Before we go any further, I think it's important since we haven't talked about this before to just say a brief word about consent in hypnosis specifically. I know that there are a lot of conceptions that it is true mind control and therefore consent isn't possible, which is not the case. Do you want to demystify that a little bit? Sure. So a lot of people like to say all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. And I pretty much agree with that because in the end, it is happening in the mind of the person being hypnotized, right? So as a hypnotist, it's sort of like I'm sitting in the passenger seat of your car and you're driving, and I'm giving you a tour of a place you've never seen before. So I may be able to show you how to get somewhere that you've never gone before. But if I tell you to turn right, and you look to the right, and there's a brick wall, you're probably going to figure out that I meant to turn left and said the wrong thing. Or if I tell you to turn left, and to the left looks really sketchy, and you don't want to go there, you can decide not to. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't ways of being shitty and manipulative. 
However, there are ways of being shitty and manipulative in any kink. And that's not about hypnosis. It's about people being shitty and manipulative. Right. And also, it's a misconception that things like safe words aren't possible or accessible. And we're not going to be doing a how-to about that topic specifically today. But it's important to understand as we move forward that even in a deep state of trance, safe words are very accessible. Absolutely. And that kind of safety is an important thing to practice. And it's something that whenever I'm going to play with someone, I work on with them so that we are both really confident that if they need to say for it, they can. And I also think it's important to remember that even if you are the person who is going into hypnosis, being hypnotized, that it's still very possible to maintain agency and to make an active decision whether or not you want to drop into trance. Yeah, it's not just possible. It's super important to be a safe play partner. You know, just like I wouldn't want to tie someone in rope that wasn't going to be an active bottom and, you know, tell me if they're feeling, you know, nerve tingles or other kinds of problems, circulation issues, whatever kind of physical stuff might happen. It's the same thing with hypnosis that I only want to play with people who are going to be active bottoms. Now, since we're talking about consent, I want to say that the next question is in the context of a consenting relationship and generally that and generally a relationship that develops over time where there's an existing dynamic and trust and lots of negotiation, but within that context of a long-term DS dynamic, do you want to say a little bit about what people mean when they say programming? Sure. So, you know, it's sort of a way to think about it is stimulus and response. If this, then that. And so you can create connections between things. And, you know, one common example of that is a thing we tend to refer to as a trigger, where I say or do something specific and something happens automatically in the bottom's experience or actions or whatever, right? So, I don't know, I'll pick something silly. I say the word watermelon and the bottom touches their nose with their right pinky finger and it's stuck there until I tell them they can take it off. Um, so that's a kind of very simple example of a trigger. But when you start to realize that if you do it right, you can associate anything with anything. So maybe putting on a play collar brings the person into a specific headspace. Now, if you do it enough, just through plain old classical conditioning, that's going to happen anyway, right? If you go into the headspace every time you put on the play collar, pretty pretty soon putting on the play collar is going to start to lead you into that headspace. But with hypnosis, you can make that more explicit and make it happen much faster in a pretty profound way. Um, and that can be really fun. And that concept that you just mentioned about how you can use anything for anything in hypnosis, we call that utilization. Yeah, absolutely. So utilization is one of those key concepts that once you realize, you know, once you sort of internalize it, it unlocks a lot of things, right? So if I'm hypnotizing somebody and I hear an approaching siren, 
Like that might normally be a distraction. But I can say, and as you hear that siren approach, it just heightens your concentration, your focus on my voice. You can use anything for anything, right? I did somebody's first ever trance once by having them fixate on a banana. So with that idea in mind, I'm sure people are starting to think about the different applications with BDSM. And so I think that, you know, just for the sake of organization, maybe what we could do is we could sort of run through the acronym and talk about just ideas that come to mind for each of those things. So let's start with bondage. Why don't you go ahead with that one? Sure. So there's a bunch of different ways that we can approach it with hypnosis. Um, one of the things that's really fun is you can do bondage without any rope or cuffs or any other equipment that happens by just putting somebody into this state where they're responding to your suggestions, where they're accepting your suggestions, and maybe just giving them the suggestion that from the neck down, their voluntary muscle control is gone, that they just can't move at all for a little while. Um, that can be really fun. You can also, though, create an experience of something like rope, for instance, uh, particularly in somebody who has the sensory memory, who's had the physical experience. And now you can do something that feels maybe not exactly like a rope scene, but evokes a lot of the same kind of experience as a rope scene without having to travel with rope. We can also use hypnosis to mess with sort of the sensory experience of it. So let's say I tie somebody with normal hemp or jute or whatever, and I could give them a suggestion that that's actually conductive rope that I've hooked a violet wand to that I'm putting electricity through. Or I could give them a suggestion that that rope is actually a vine or is actually a piece of barbed wire or is actually sort of whatever I could imagine. And for the right person, and this is a skill, uh, but for the right bottom, and it's a skill people develop, their, their brain will take that and sort of merge the physical sensation with the suggestions and change the experience of that bondage. And also just, you know, separate from simulating different types of physical bondage, you know, things like ropes or cuffs, do you want to say something about like freezing someone in position or altering sure. the space that's bondage? Yeah, that's absolutely, you know, if you're a Star Wars fan and you want to encase your bottom in carbonite, that's not a real easy thing to do physically. But if both play partners are Star Wars fans and understand how that works, it's a pretty easy hypno scene, actually. Or, you know, if you just want to be silly and have somebody imagine that they find themselves in a vat of jello that's sl that's that's slowly congealing around them and there it gets harder and harder to move until eventually they're completely trapped by the jello. I mean, it's really your imagination is the limit here. That's the bit that's magic. That's right. So moving on to discipline, when we think of discipline in a traditional context without the hypnosis, we've talked about this a little bit on the show. 
we're talking about cause and effect and often a system of rules that if broken have consequences, whatever those may be. And so that can be really fun with hypnosis. And so you might think about something really traditional like punishment. Maybe hypnotically you're giving the suggestion that a person cannot speak for a period of time so that they need to think about what they've done. Or that if they're going to be on timeout in the corner of the room, you know, placing the suggestion or giving the suggestion that they feel that they cannot move from that corner until the hypnotist says so. You could do simulations with hypnosis of more traditional types of punishment, things like impact. So when I snap my fingers, you will feel my cane land on your ass kind of thing. And if you're stepping away from kinesthetic or sensation, physical things, you could induce feelings, maybe feelings of shame or humiliation, suggesting that a person really feel shame about this um, terrible infraction, if that that is something that they enjoy and that you have negotiated. Yeah. And, and I'll just say that this is really not a way that I play, um, not because I think there's anything wrong with it, other than that it's just not something I'm particularly drawn to. But you do do a lot of the dominant submission stuff. So why don't you jump in with those? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that is the easiest for a lot of people when they start with hypnosis is to use hypnosis to modify headspace. You know, that once somebody goes into trance, into that state of hypnotic rapport, and with somebody they trust guiding them and they want to experience, you know, a particular emotion, for instance, that that's something that you can create using suggestion, right? That in some cases, and you know, brains vary, people vary. So this is all dependent on who you're playing with and how much trust and rapport you have and how skilled they are and so forth. But with the right bottom, with a skilled bottom that you have trust and rapport with, a couple of words may be able to drop them directly into subspace or into into a dominant space. I've played with people sometimes where we've even made their headspace toggle, where um, like every time I snap my fingers, if they're feeling dominant, they suddenly feel very submissive. And if they're submissive, then they suddenly feel very dominant. Now, to be clear, I don't think I would try that as an ongoing thing in a relationship to sort of wrench their brain around like that. I don't think it would be useful. Um, and it might very well go sideways, but with a, with a partner that you have a lot of experience and trust with in a negotiated scene, it can be really fun. Absolutely. And to just touch on switching, because when we're talking about, you know, dominance and submission is not things that are always very fixed. Uh, I know that you've sometimes played a game with partners where you sort of pull the rug out from the other one in order to have a sort of like dominance battle in a very fun and silly way. Do you want to say something about that? Sure. So there, there's kind of a couple of ways of doing that. The, the, the switch play where you pull the rug out from under each other is really fun. And it can be a switch fight where you're taking, you know, where you're each 
kind of struggling for control. And eventually one of you will probably give in because usually it's something you would both enjoy and that's why you're doing it. And that's certainly one approach. But another approach is a sort of more fluid kind of collaborative switching, which I also really like, where, you know, you agree that one person is going to start as the hypnotist. And at some point, the other person is just going to kind of pull the rug out from under them and take over and drop them. And you can even end up doing something called mutual trance, which is where two people are both hypnotizing each other at the same time. And I would say that that's a little bit more advanced kind of play to sort of manage all of that in your head at the same time. But once you get used to the idea, it's pretty easy. I will make one safety note about that, which is that my preference is that the first time people who don't have experience with mutual trance try it, that having a spotter who they both know and trust and who knows something about hypnosis um, is a nice sort of extra support. Moving on to sort of sadomasochism, I've already mentioned simulating things like impact. So that's something that's there at the very base level that could replace an actual cane or something that's an implement that's going to cause pain or discomfort. But taking it a little further, you could certainly simulate something that is uncomfortable to do with temperature play, for example, like an ice cube in an uncomfortable location. Or you could choose to have a dial, a hypnotic dial, where you can adjust the intensity of pain. Now, I know that it's an important safety precaution that in general, it's okay to turn the level of pain up to make something that's very light impact, for example, feel like it's producing a very painful result. But you probably would not want to dampen someone's perception of pain because then they might be in an unsafe situation in terms of safe wording or just, you know, in terms of measuring where they're at. But if you're going to do sadistic play, doing something that's very light, maybe you don't want to leave any marks on somebody, they're going to work the next day, but you want to turn up a dial and you want to make that feel like they're getting the full impact of whatever the implement is or a completely hypnotic implement altogether. And I also want to say, you know, when we're talking about things like bondage and you're thinking about things that are inherently edgy or risky, things like suspension or things like knife play, hypnosis can be a really good way to simulate some of those things without actually taking some of the risks of doing those things physically. So one of the things that's so much fun about this stuff with hypno is being able to do things that are impossible, right? So we have occasionally in a class done a demo where um, I put Panda in a headspace where sort of she believes within this scene that the sort of Looney Tunes roadrunner laws of physics apply. And then I just describe in this trance and she experiences what's happening that she notices there's a plane overhead that says Acme on the side of it. And the next thing that she knows, there's a giant grand piano falling out of it and the grand piano falls on her head and crushes her. And she feels like she's squashed flat like a pancake and then stretches herself out like an accordion, because in Looney Tunes physics, that's how that works. I do not recommend trying that for real. It will not end the same way. 
Absolutely. And it's something that you can take into a wide variety of DS dynamics. So we've talked a little bit about primal play and sort of touched on that. And in a a primal predator prey scene, for example, you could hypnotically simulate aspects of a hunt that you might not really want to do. Like for example, claws slashing skin or simulate teeth being more wolf-like sinking into somebody's skin, but without actually causing that damage. I can't imagine why you would (laughs) think of an example like that. Who, me? Yeah, I know. You're all sweet and innocent. I am. I am. I have never done a bad thing in all my days, don't you know? (laughs) At least not unless somebody asked you to. That is true. I can honestly say that. I have never done a bad thing in all my days unless somebody was enjoying it on the other end. All right. So we could talk about this for hours. And I'm really hoping that as the show progresses, we're going to get to dig in a little bit deeper to some of these individual concepts and some of the individual things that you can do with hypnosis. But since we're sort of just getting started, I think we've given a really good overview today, just touching on the points of what are the dynamics, reminding people that consent is possible, safe words are possible, negotiation and safe words and consent are necessary, that a bottom can and should always maintain agency during a hypnosis scene. And once you get to that place, the rest is really magical. Yeah. And it's so much fun when you realize that anything that you can imagine and describe, you can play with. All right. Thanks so much for being on the show again. And I can't wait to talk to you soon. I know that there are lots of kinky and depraved things going on in that brain. And I'm excited for you to share them with our listeners. It's my pleasure. Thanks as always for listening to Naughty Talk. Our show is available on most popular podcast platforms. For updates, to submit a request to be a guest on the show, to write in with questions for our hosts or request lifestyle advice, head over to the show's page at sunnylemain.com. You'll also find information about my novels, including my Turn the Key series, which are dark erotica with themes of hypnosis, BDSM, and sometimes a little bit of magic. All books feature different kinks and are queer inclusive. I hope you've enjoyed the show and you join us again next time.